Here we go. Episode 54 of the Hardline Sports Talk. And let me tell you, it is a big one. I am Michael Merlo. I am joined by John Michael Masiri. JM, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Uh, Super Bowl right around the corner. I'll be in Florida a week from today at uh, Daytona International Speedway. So Very nice. I'm feeling good. How are you, Michael? How's the AirPod? I'm I'm great. AirPods in right now. You know, I'll give it one more little adjustment. Hope it yeah. doesn't come out. We should be good. Good. I'm doing great. I'm very excited for the Super Bowl on Sunday. Uh, we're going to give some predictions in a little bit. Uh, we're going to talk about the game. And, you know, today, Thursday, you know, in the tri-state area, you know, Long Island, New York, it was a beautiful day. Oh, yeah. It felt about 50 degrees. And I was a little depressed as I was delivering pizza today, just thinking about this is a perfect, it feels like a perfect spring day. Mm-hmm. Could just play baseball right now. Yep. It just makes you feel good about baseball. And we're going to talk about baseball and the labor negotiations in a little bit, but let's just, you know, all get a prayer circle for uh, Saturday. I'll get a prayer circle going. Yeah, definitely will. But, Saturday is supposed to be nice again, too. Yeah, it's going to be 55. So hopefully yeah. there's good news mixed with the weather. Mm-hmm. It'll be good. It'll be good. We're going to do our lit. Yeah. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not there yet. No. We're going to do our list of the top 10 starting pitchers in baseball. Very excited for that. And uh, there was big trades happening in the NBA. We're finally going to talk some NBA basketball. Uh, James Harden was dealt. So we'll, uh, we'll get to that in a little bit. We are going to start with the main topic, though. That is the Super Bowl. Um, is it me or is there like a little less buzz around this Super Bowl compared to a few other years? Yeah, um, I wouldn't shoot that down i think you might be right i mean the the bucks chiefs won last year sounded like i had a little there it is there there goes the airpod about four minutes in that's one yeah um so yeah i mean i don't know i don't know if there's as much buzz you know because we're kind of we're not used to this there's a lot of newness in this i just make up a word new a lot of brand new stuff in this game um there you go so, you know, you got no Tom Brady this time, no Mahomes, no random Nick Foles appearance or Eli, Eli Manning. Manning. None, none, oh. that, none, none of that stuff, right? We're getting two fresh faces in Joe Burrow and Matt Stafford. Um, and, and we'll see how it goes. I mean, I'm excited, but, yeah, I feel like the buzz is a little less than usual. Like if this was Rams Chiefs or even Rams Bills, you think there's a little more just because of the star power? I mean, there's still stars on this Bengals team, but I think it's just them being, you know, Cincinnati, you know, they're probably the third most popular football team in their own state behind the Browns and Ohio State. So, yeah, I mean, I think I guess that, that's where the less of the buzz comes from. Right. Maybe that, maybe it's just the people still don't believe in the Bengals and are still shocked at what they've done. Right. Um, so that could be it. I mean, if we talked about years ago, it's it's a little bit different of a matchup because uh, the Patriots versus the Giants, the difference between the teams is not like it is with Bengals-Rams. It's a much bigger difference with Patriots-Giants. Right. But, you know, the, the Giants were thought to have been getting, we're just going to get rolled over. And what was the line that game? Like 14 or something? Yeah. Seen, right? Um, so, you know, a little less buzz around that. You didn't think it was going to be like exactly a heavyweight matchup. Um, but you know, this is supposed to be a pretty good game of the lines at about four the last time I checked. So I'm excited. Um, maybe the Bengals are a little under hype because of what you said, but I think it'll be a good game. And I think the Bengals have a really good shot. 
you know what's funny about the Bengals? They give teams like ours hope. You know, in baseball, we see it all the time. We see these crazy runs. You know, we, we've talked about it. The Atlanta Braves won the World Series. And even the Milwaukee Bucks won the NBA championship. And they were great, but they had to go through a super team. We've seen a lot of randomness, but usually you don't. It's tough to see this randomness of so bad to so good in one year. Right. And usually the, it fizzles out at some point. But Right. The Bengals have given us hope that the Bengals were just in a situation like our teams were, the Giants and the Jets, last season. And now they're in the Super Bowl. They give the little guy hope, which is interesting to me. And the Rams are the big, bad super team that went out and did whatever they could, you know, spent money, have signed whatever free agents, maybe been very aggressive, traded draft picks. It's it's interesting to see, does that magic run out finally? Like, like you just said, does that magic finally run out for the, the Bengals on Sunday? Yeah, you're right. Um, you know, the, the Bengals do give hope. Uh, you usually never see a quick turnaround like that. And the turnaround has been insane. Like I said, it usually fizzles out, right? It'll be a nice story, but they'll get kicked out in the wild card or in the division right. or something like that. I mean, the last time I could remember something like this of that much surprise was uh, the Bears were a bit of a surprise that year. They went 12 and four. But the main one I think about is the Jaguars that year. They went to the AFC championship with Blake Bortles. Um, but this is the biggest surprise in them all, to be honest with you. I mean, nobody was thinking about, I mean, I think I had the Bengals winning four games, something like yeah. that. Um, so does the luck run out? Who knows? I know one thing of the teams that do this, that go on the road and win and win and win in the playoffs in the NFL, they, they tend to have a pretty good record in the Super Bowl. So the odds aren't exactly stacked against them all the way. You know, they have a, like I said, they have a legit shot in this game. I think if this game was played on paper, the Rams win, but good thing football isn't played on paper. Um, you know, if, if it's played on paper last week with against the Chiefs, the Chiefs win, but the Bengals won the game. So um, I think they're a team that can beat anybody. They have such an exciting offense. They have a clutch quarterback. Um, those weapons could give the Rams secondary a problem. I mean, Jalen Ramsey's a hell of a corner, but he's not perfect. So we'll see. I think there's a lot of things we need to keep an eye on. I think the main problem if i was a Bengals fan that i would that i'd be worried about is that pass rush of the rams right and we're going to talk about that in a minute uh the mismatches in this game because that's definitely the number one mismatch what's interesting to me is that what was i about to say the teams that we see make crazy runs in the super bowl usually are very good defensively and they're just a pain in the ass to beat Right. And I'm not taking away from this defense that the Bengals have. The Bengals defense has been underrated, you know, this whole season, really. I mean, we talk about Trey Hendrickson all the time, the, the defensive end that wears no gloves, number 91, I think. And yeah. he's like top five in pressures this year. He had another huge sack number. He's been great. They're underrated, but they're not like carrying this team. And it's funny that. It's the second-year quarterback. It's a bad offensive line. It's an okay running – okay, pretty good running game. It's great weapons on the outside. It's almost like the opposite of how you want to build a football team. Right. And they're playing in this big game. They made this run. So, obviously, we're going to give predictions in a little bit, but you kind of touched on it, the the mismatches in this game. Uh, You know, you you said it, I said it. The biggest mismatch to me is especially the interior defensive line – 
going up against Darren Donald. And then obviously on this, on the corners you have uh, on the edge, you have Von Miller and Leonard Floyd going at those tackles. Yeah. And you know, when we think about the Bengals offense, we think about Joe Burrow and Jamar chase and all those guys, but you know, a big part of their offense is Joe Mixon in that running game. So if, if that's not getting going, then that could pose a problem for them. I mean, then again, like you said, they've kind of took the script of how football games go and thrown it out the window because they still find ways to win. Even if that running game isn't going well, Joe Burrow could very well go out and throw for 450 and they win this game. But, you know, they, they don't want to have to do that. They want to be able to do whatever they want on offense. And Aaron Donald's going to make that a problem. But we'll see what happens. This offensive line has not been great. It really hasn't. You wouldn't think so. But Joe Burrow, Joe Burrow I believe, is the most sacked quarterback in the NFL, if not second or third. Um, and if he can't drop back and, and sit in that pocket for a little bit and let plays develop downfield, then – it's not exactly like they're going to lose, but it's certainly going to be a lot harder to win. I think the Bengals are going to have to try and establish a running game early. If they can't establish a running game early, they're going to have to find something in the screen game. They've been very good with that. Um, they broke off a big screen to Samaje Pirine and in the championship game for a touchdown. That's what really brought them back into that uh, AFC championship game. They're going to have to run plays like that, especially to get them going early so that they can set up those bigger plays. Uh, I think that's going to be a massive key, but all, you know, it's going to come down to, can you protect your quarterback? If they can't protect him, this is going to be a long one. We saw it last season. Yeah. Um, you're right. I mean, we, we want to talk about Von Miller. A uh, guy who's done this before, been disruptive in the Super Bowl, and is a massive reason for why the Broncos won that Super Bowl. Um, and if still he amazes the, me that the Patriots lost to the, that Broncos team. Yeah, that was that AFC Championship game in Denver, right? In Denver, yeah. Wasn't that like a really close? Wasn't it like twenty to nineteen or something weird like that? It was low scoring, was close score. game. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but. Yeah, I mean, if, if Von Miller and Aaron Donald uh, are, are being very disruptive, you're right. It's going to be very difficult for them. But I think the Bengals know that. I think they're prepared for that, right? Um, their game plan, I'm sure, isn't centered around dropping, doing seven-step uh, seven drops and throwing it 40 yards downfield every play. Um, I'm sure they're working on getting the ball out quick and coming up with creative ways to diffuse that pressure, rollouts, whatnot. And, and listen – Joe Burrow, we think about, you know, Josh Allen and Kyler Murray and Mahomes and guys like that who have this escapability and can get out of the pocket, throw on the run, get an escape pressure. Joe Burrow is pretty good at that, too. Uh, I don't, You know, he shouldn't get sold short on that. He's not just a, a rock in the pocket, a Big Ben type guy where he's just going to sit in there and throw the ball. He can move around a little bit. So you would take his over in yards? Rushing yards. over? I think like 24, maybe. Hmm. Close. I'm retired, so I don't really think about that stuff anymore. You're not coming out for uh I think I'm gonna come summer. out a little bit, but lightly you to come out. <laughs> Take it easy. No, not like that. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure yet. All right. And you have no lean whatsoever. Oh, on the game? You I, I feel like you're leaning bangles. You're making it obvious. Are we giving bangles. our predictions right now? No, we'll save it. We'll save it. No, I'll give my prediction right now. I don't care. No, we're going we're to save it because we got a couple of other things to do. Okay. I want to talk about um, the legacy sermon. 
because Joe Burrow is this is his second season. Last year, obviously, got shortened due to a torn ACL. He just won Comeback Player of the Year. Congratulations to him. I know that means absolutely nothing to him right now yeah. because you know there's one goal, and that's to win a Super Bowl. But he shouldn't take this lightly. All I've heard all week is that there is so much pressure on the Rams to get this done because they've gone all in. And yes, it's true. They've gone all in, but uh, only a couple of guys are coming off the books this year. And that's Von Miller and Odell Beckham jr. They say they can bring back Odell if they want him. Von Miller probably walks, but you know, they'll find a replacement for Von. I don't think that this is the only season in which the Rams have a chance to win the Super Bowl because we uh, fast forward to Tuesday. I think the Rams are easily the betting favorite in the NFC, no matter what happens to go back to the Super Bowl and win it. So I think the Bengals also have a lot of pressure here because you're here. You got here. You had a, I wouldn't say the most difficult path to get here. You, you got to play the Titans and, you know, in Tennessee and they basically they had gave a pretty a difficult path. I don't know. They, they were given a game in Tennessee and they play the Raiders. And I then guess, going I mean, to I guess it would have been going worse. to Arrowhead is tough. I guess it would have been worse if they played Buffalo in that divisional round. But yeah, that Arrowhead game was, yeah. Yeah. The hardest no, I'm not taking anything win. away from them. Um, but I'm just, what I'm saying is they shouldn't take this for granted. You have a stacked AFC. You have Herbert. You have Mahomes, obviously. Allen, you you know, Trevor Lawrence, possibly soon. Mac Jones and Bill Belichick. You you might have Aaron Rodgers coming into that, you know, into that division, possibly with that old world Steelers defense. So what I'm saying is don't take advantage of this. Don't say, oh, well, we're a young team. We'll be back. You may never be back. They can't not squander this opportunity. Right. Well, I don't think anybody's going into this game tomorrow on either side saying, oh, it's all right. We got here. If we don't win it, then that's okay. You know, I think they're all obviously going in with the goal of winning the game. But when we talk about pressure in terms of see the the players don't they'll feel the pressure from themselves right they'll be like Matt Stafford's like I gotta win this game like this is I've been dreaming of going to the Super Bowl winning the Super Bowl for so long whatever but that's just from their selves right they don't care about what are they gonna say in the press and everything like that and who has the most pressure but you know when we talk about legacies and the way players are viewed all time and stuff like that and teams are viewed all time and franchises whatever um, then the Rams easily have the most pressure on them. I mean, we've had, we've seen them in the Super Bowl before. Uh, you know, Matt Stafford finally gets his shot now after losing so many seasons with the Lions. You know, he comes over to the Rams now. Um, and yeah, they've just been in it for a long time. The Bengals are one of those like feel good stories, right? Most of the country's rooting for them. They're they're a young team. Burrow's got a whole career ahead of him and everything like that. But um, and you know, Zach Taylor's job is safe, you know, by easily for the job yeah. that he's done and everything like that. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's obviously pressure on either side. You have the pressure from Cincinnati fans where they haven't won a Super Bowl since the '80s, or actually, they never even won, right? They just they they lost. The, do they have a title? Didn't they lose to Minnesota I, or something? They lost um, an 89 to the 49ers. Hold on, a little fact check here. I got it. You Bengals have appeared in three Super Bowls total. 
Their first two were against the San Francisco 49ers. They lost both times. Okay. So, yeah, they haven't won a Super Bowl yet. So, you got that, right? You would have thought we would have known that. Off the, the whole city right. of Cincinnati is pulling for them. And, you know, Ohio State, the, the 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 state of Ohio is pulling for Joe Burrow and everything like that. Um, but, you know, when we talk about legacies and everything, I think it's the Rams. I'm, I don't think this is a crazy take at all. If Stafford wins on Sunday, he's a Hall of Famer. He, he cements himself into the Hall of Fame. I mean, I got to look win. at his numbers one more time, but I think – you know, he is a Hall of Fame type quarterback. I mean, he's he's had multiple 40 touchdown seasons now, and he's had a nice career. I think he's getting in either way, but like he cements it right on Sunday. Yeah. He, he gets he, he can retire and he and he's a he's in a Hall yeah, of Fame. I, I really wouldn't be surprised. I mean, we hold quarterbacks to such a high standard these days with that they have to win Super Bowls. So if he got that under his belt, then that's pretty good. My boy OBJ, too. Yeah, I put on our sheet. There's a ton of stars in this game. Um, you know, you got, obviously, the defensive, the whole, really, defensive line for the Rams. You have OBJ. You have Chase. You have two quarterbacks. It's a star-studded Super Bowl. I think a ton of eyes, though, are going to be on my former boy. Still my boy. I'm rooting for him. Uh, Odell Beckham Jr. He's been he's been a lifesaver for them, and I'm, I'm pulling for him. Yeah, I'm, I'm pulling for him, too, honestly. He's been through a lot in his career, and, you know, we questioned whether he was done and how much of a distraction he would be, right? That was the talk when he got waived and, you know, well, do the Packers want him? Does this team want him? You know, are we sure they want to deal with that distraction? And he hasn't been a distraction for the Rams. No. He's just – he's helped them, right? He's playing very well. Um, he's hasn't been a diva and been annoyed that Cooper Cup's getting more pet the targets than he is, right? He's just fitting in that role beautifully. And, uh, you know, Odell, as much as he gets bad light in the media and everything like that, he's a good guy. He's a smart guy. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I'm pulling for him. Smart football player, too. Very smart. Um, he, I don't think the Rams could have envisioned this going any better than how it's gone with Odell. Uh, I just got this update on my phone, actually. So Drake has a couple Super Bowl bets, and it relates perfectly to what we're talking about. So he has six hundred thousand dollars on the Rams money line. Let's go. He has five hundred thousand dollars on Odell Beckham Jr. over sixty-two and a half yards, and five hundred thousand on Odell Beckham anytime touchdown score. You know, Drake is like notorious for cursing teams and stuff. Ah, oh, damn it. Yeah, so I'm happy about that. I'm not so happy about that. Um, he's just doing it for his boy, Odell. That, that's all. He, he's fine. Um, Aaron Rodgers, who just accepted his MVP award, says he has not made a decision yet. We'll talk about the awards in a few minutes. Uh, you got any uh, Super Bowl memories, you know, that, that you uh, – Yeah. You know, you remember maybe your favorite Super Bowl – Um, My favorite Super Bowl of all time, I think, was when I was like the most nostalgic, I guess you could say, was my first year of really being a full fledged football fan. That Saints Colts Super Bowl back in 2009. Mm -hmm. That was that was a that was a really good Super Bowl, too. Right. We remember the the surprise onside kick coming out of the half that the Saints pulled off. And then the uh, oh, my God, what the hell is the guy's name? What was not more? Who was the corner who picked off Peyton Manning and took it to the house? Oh, God. 23, I think. I see him running in my head. 
I don't know. I see him running too. I forgot his, I don't know his name. I don't know, but I'll figure that out later. Um, yeah, that one. Um, I think the first Super Bowl I remember, I like vividly remember that Giants one, the first one. Yeah. Um, I re- I just the first like real clip in my head that I remember is the Cardinal Steelers one when I remember I, I, James Harrison, uh, that pick six. I had the 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 numbers correct for the Super Bowl boxes for the halftime as <laughs> as the Cardinals were driving. They just needed to score the touchdown. I would have gotten the numbers right. And then Kurt Warner throws that pick six to James Harrison, and I ended up not winning the money, right? Because it's oh. but uh, seven yeah. year old JM gambling. Yeah, I got some. I got some good Super Bowl memories. Some good, some bad. A lot of Tom Brady ones that made me want to die. Oh yeah, you you didn't you didn't like when he came back down from twenty eight to three? No, I hated it actually. I love that one. That that was Tracy that was Porter. One. Tracy Porter. Name. Tracy Porter. Anything for you? I mean, you're going to say the Giants, obviously. But- oh, obviously, 2011. That's the one I remember the most um, when they beat the Patriots. And somebody was trying to argue today that that Super Bowl for Brady hurt more than the first one that he lost to the Giants. Because, like, there was just so much built up of a revenge, right. he, revenge he wanted, you know, avenge that last loss right i I don't know i i think for him he's just such a psycho with 19 and 0 that's all he wanted he wanted to be in the history books um i i love that i I love the comeback one too with brady i thought that was great there's there's so many i remember every single one like it was just i was just cycling through my head they're all the ones you know the add your bad ones your broncos seahawks that was dreadful right um we uh, we haven't even talked about the Patriots seahawks one that was insane i remember watching that was that. The, that was probably the great one of the that, greatest games i've ever watched that was more painful to me as a brady hater than uh the the comeback one because that was like i can't like they had it in the bank i was like i can't yeah. believe they just did that and listen I know some people might be listening to this and being like, oh, man, this guy's just hating on Brady or everything. You know, when you play him every single year and his team, it's not just Brady. It's the Patriots, right? I don't want the Patriots, just like how I don't want the Red Sox to win the World Series. It's the same exact thing. Right. Uh, and, you know, you get this, you see it over and over again. The guy just beats up on your team every year. It, uh, it starts to, to have its effect on you. It's like, obviously, he played well in, in the game against the Seahawks, but they won that game because the defense yeah. made a play. Oh, yeah. At least that first one. I mean, at least the um, the, the one where he comes back from twenty eight to three, like that was him. Right. Like that was just unbelievably impressive. And that Not was Kyle Shanahan being dumb. Yes, he he still he actually still does that. Yeah, he's um he's not very good with leads. He doesn't he, he, go to his star players either in late in games. You'd rather him be down in the yeah. fourth quarter, in big Literally. games. So. Um, predictions for the game i don't think we made it official here we did not make it official um i you know i don't think the football gods are gonna bless us again with a great game so i'm picking the rams minus four but if the Bengals win like i don't think it's gonna be particularly close really so i think either way it's a blowout wow i don't i don't know about that um so you're picking rams and I would go. I would go under. You got a predicted score. Um, thirty-one sixteen. Wow. Yeah. All right. Well, hold on. 
Oh, he's he looks a little smarter now. He's got his glasses on. Let's get Shiesty. Joe, I got my. Joe oh, the, are those one. are those his glasses? Yeah, hold on. Wait, I got two of them. I got these ones. I got these ones too. I don't. I think these ones are like a little pinkish. You see? Yeah. 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 Those are cool. So let's get Shiesty. I'm going with my boy Joe Burr, and I'm taking the Bengals. The Simpsons said it, so I'm going to say it because the Simpsons is right about it. Always right. 34-31, Bengals. Let's ride. That's going to be the most bet on score, I bet. Like, you know, when you go in and predict the score, yeah, that one's going to be the most popular one because of the Simpsons now. The, apparently, the Simpsons I, – I saw it the other day. The Simpsons predicted the score of 34-31. I'm not going to lie to you. I made that prediction now. You know, I got a couple of things coming on Sunday. I could go the other way. I don't. I don't know yet. But stick to your guns. Come on. I'm gonna. I, I probably stick to my guns. Mm. I'm. I'm rooting for the Rams. So, you know, maybe just a small wager, and I'll play with the props a little yeah. bit more. Yeah. Ooh, no, that's this. what I want to do. I want this to be fun. Not like, you know, I'm. I'm picking the Bengals. I'm stressing the whole game by. Right. I just want a little fun props, Gatorade color, coin toss, all that good stuff. I got to DM the woman that's doing the uh, national anthem as well. I, I always DM her before Over. and after. Isn't it like the lowest it's been? It's 95 seconds, but she's apparently very quick. I DM Demi Lovato once. I said, so over, right? And then she went under. And then I, I DM'd her cursing her out. She, she never <laughs> answered me, but yeah, she, she, she lost me some money. Um, this good. could, I, I know you love this guy so much. You, the booth. This could be Al Michaels and Chris Collinsworth last game, uh, last game on NBC. Chris Collinsworth, I don't hate him. Um, yeah. I, th- I think sometimes he starts just wandering about stuff, and I'm just yeah. like, what the hell is he talking about? He gets lost sometimes. And Al Michaels, I'm usually a big fan of, but he's been kind of bad lately for some reason. I don't he know wasn't. He... I'm not gonna lie to you. I usually love this booth, and they were not good this year. No, they were not good. Um, but they get old. You both of them done. I think Michaels is going to leave for um, – I'm almost positive he's going to leave for Amazon because now Thursday nights are going to be strictly on Amazon Prime. Right. So I think they're going to pay him a bag for a couple of years, and he's going to go over there and do those games. Hey, get that money. Go get that money. Listen, Jeff Bezos has got it all. He's just yeah. throwing it at throw it I'm, at I'm happy it's not Romo, though. I don't know. I got a little tired of him. Enough – well, he doesn't really stop speaking at all. So, yeah. oh, geez, Jim, I don't know. <laughs> it might be a run to the left. He's entertaining. Come on. He, no, he is. He is. But you but know. he but in the po- this postseason, I'll give you that. He said some stupid shit. I'm picky. I mean, I'm very picky. Oh yeah, you're picky. Like I, I feel like I haven't come on our podcast and been like, oh, I love this guy. He's such a good announcer, right? It's it's tough. It's it's a lot of criticism when you're an announcer, but. You know, he's not hard. He's not it's the worst. Tough one. job. Yeah. He's all right. So, like, w- one thing that really made me mad was when he threw it when Allen was, um, it was late in the game in the divisional round. And Allen, you know, they were going back and forth touchdowns and it was about to be a big play. And he goes, This is a career defining moment for Josh Allen. Right. You know, it, yeah, this is going to make or break his Hall of Fame, yeah. you know, stature. I, come on, Tony. You, you got to know better. Yes, of course, it's a big game. But, yeah, no, that's 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 like trying to find a big call and you and there's nothing there. 
Exactly. Like, like and there's so many other things you can say because yeah. it was such a huge moment. You could say like this is the biggest moment of Josh Allen's career so far. Like that's fun, right? But a career-defining moment. Yeah, I mean, he had a career-defining moment earlier in his career when he dropped the snap. That was. That was you know what's funny when when they lined up to kick the field goal, the the Bengals. It was a short one. It was like thirty something yards. They were talking about the things that could go wrong, and he actually said he brought it up like. Well, you know, if he's got to make sure he catches that snap yeah. and places it, I'm like, oh, here we go. PTSD. Yeah, PTSD is right. Uh, we gave our prediction for the game. Um, all right. Awards uh, very quickly. We'll run through those. Uh, TJ Watt won the Defensive Player of the Year. He tied Michael Strahan for most sacks in the season. Jamar Chase, Offensive Rookie of the Year. No surprise there. Same thing with Micah Parsons. Um yeah, you know, Micah Parsons is going to be a tough one for me for a really long time. Defensive player of the year? I mean, uh, offensive player of the year, did they say it? Chase, yeah. No, offensive player of the year. Oh, offensive player of the year was Cooper Cup. All right, good. It should be. Um, yeah. yeah, Jamar Chase, and obviously you said Micah Parsons. That Micah Parsons can be a problem for the Giants for a while. Yeah. But uh, he's funny. He's, yeah. funny. he's funny. I was watching some of that Pro Bowl stuff. He was making me laugh. He, he's a funny guy. He went on like a question, like question and answer thing the other day. Hey, yesterday he was like, "The NFL isn't that hard." He's just going off, no, so talking, talking I'm, shit. Yeah, I'm getting a big head there, buddy. Um, yeah, I mean, Chase was the underdog up until the last couple of weeks of the season. Everybody was going to say Mac Jones, but then Chase was just going crazy, and Jones slowed down. And I, th- I still think when, while he was the underdog that he should have won it because, you know, just because a quarterback's having a pretty good year, you have a receiver who's, you know, catching touchdowns left and right, and he's a stud. Um, yeah, Rodgers MVP. You know, it's a shame that he didn't – he's got a lot of MVPs, but it's a shame he didn't make it to the Super Bowl this year. Yeah, um, it's good. It's good. We'll see what happens with him next year. Stafford could tie him. I swear to you, I feel like – We've had this show for almost a year now. We got to keep track of that. What was our first episode? Like March 9th or something? I don't know. In March. Uh, we got to have like a, a later later in March. I don't know. We'll have a little one year thing. I don't know. Party. Um, but I feel like we've party. literally since the first episode, we've been talking about Aaron Rodgers and, oh, what's it going to be next year? And who's he going to, you know, is he going to leave? Is he going to retire? Is he staying? So I'm kind of tired of hearing about it. The dog, though. I'm really tired of hearing about the dog. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then defensive player of the year, you said TJ Watt beat Michael or tied Michael Strahan's record, but he really beat it because you know, that Michael Strahan sack against Brett Favre was BS. That was, I would never want that. Like I'd rather just not break the record than Brett Favre drop back fall the floor and me touch him. And it's like, Oh, I'm a sack leader. I'll, I'll take it. I'll take it. I'll take it any way I can get. Pause. I'll take the record any way I can get. Come on. Mm-hmm. That's also the boy there, Michael Strahan. Uh, yeah. What else? What else award was there? Um, Mike Rabel. He won coach of the year. Well deserved. Congrats to him. Uh, and like we said before, Joe Burrow, comeback player of the year. It's tough to spend so much time on, on one game. You know, I know it's right. the big game. It, it is tough to fill out, you know, a really long time with the one game. But I was just about to say, why can't we make 
I get the whole regular season thing. It's a regular season award, but like Zach Taylor really should be the coach of the year. Right. Now, now that his team got to the Super Bowl, like that's amazing. But you know, I guess it's just a regular season award and we go off of how that stacks up. But if we did end of the year awards and after the entire season's over, I'd give Zach Taylor the coach of the year. Most likely. I I don't think you're crazy. Mm-hmm. Especially with what he has, what he's had to deal with. Oh yeah. Getting here, it's uh you're probably right about that. Thank you. All right, so we we got our predictions. We uh, we're all set, and uh, we're excited. Twice. AirPod. There it goes. Um, I you know again, I, and I hope it's not a blowout. That's just you know what I'm what I'm thinking here. Right. We've been I mean, getting too lucky today. Already. We have been getting real lucky. So uh, let's we'll, we'll see what happens. Um, we're gonna take a break. We've got some NBA to do. We've got our list, the top ten starting pitchers. So we'll be back to do that after this. The SND Podcast Channel, the perfect channel for any style of podcast. We have all different pop culture style podcasts for all of your listening needs. If you would like to start a podcast, you can reach us at sndpodcast at gmail.com. We are always looking for new podcasts to add to our channel, and the topic could be anything you want. So contact us now. Here we go. We are back. Episode 54. Lots to do still. Um, something just played in my headphones. I don't even know what it was. Here we go. It's ESPN. Just actually scared the crap out of me. This is episode 54, though, of the Hardline Sports Talk. And we have got our top 10 starting pitchers in Major League Baseball. We have big trades in the NBA that happened today at the trade deadline. Um, the Nets have lost 10 straight. The Knicks did nothing. We're going to get to all that. Don't worry. NBA. We're NBA, you know. I'm what, a what was for. Yeah, I mean, come on. Uh, there's nothing I don't know in the NBA. Yeah. Uh, we're also going to talk a little bit about what's going on with the uh, labor discussions in Major League Baseball. But let's start off with our list. Top 10 starting pitches in baseball. I am going to go first. Tenth on my list to start us off, Lance Lynn. Love me some Lance Lynn. You know why? Big guy. You know, seems like he's your average Joe. Yeah. You know, not you know. <laughs> um, he is he he's the one that screams, right? Or is that Hendrick? Or both of them scream uh-huh. while they're on the mound. Right. Boy, I, I, Hendricks is like a screamer. Liam Hendricks, the closer for them for the White Sox. I'm almost positive Lance Lynn's like very animated on the mound as well. But um, let's talk about Lance Lynn. He came in third in AL Cy Young uh, voting last year at a 269 ERA, 157 innings pitched, 176 strikeouts. Um, he was hurt, a little banged up during the year, but I mean, he's been impressive. He has uh, a 161 ERA plus in. 2019, he had a 141 ERA plus, and he finished fifth in Cy Young voting. So, I mean, <laughs> he's kind of been underrated. That was a nice catch, too. That was good. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, Lance Lynn's had a nice uh, little late part of his career here. You know, he was with the Yankees a couple years back, and he couldn't really do that there because Larry Rothschild is a moron. Yeah, got but, uh, yeah, good for him. He's a, He had those nice years in Texas, and now he's doing well in Chicago. So, uh, you know. Good for him, but he ain't on my list. So uh, okay, okay. he he he. I had him at ten, took him off. He'd probably be eleven or twelve. But I'm gonna start us off with something you might not have seen coming. But I'm a huge fan of this guy, and uh, he's on a team who has the best, probably the best 
three starters in baseball. I'm going with Freddie Peralta of the Milwaukee Brewers. Wow. Um, a guy who bursted onto the scene last year. He was mainly a bullpen guy for the start of his career. He's 25 years old. He made the all-star game for the first time last year. Started 27 games, 144 innings in those games, and 195 strikeouts, which is an impressive number. A 2.81 ERA, a .97 WHIP, um, and a 152 ERA plus. So I like what I see out of Freddie Peralta. He's got some nasty stuff. Uh, he's one of the best strikeout pitchers in the league. You look at his career. I mean, obviously his numbers are a little inflated from the. Uh, being in the bullpen, right? Bullpen guys tend to get a little bit more strikeouts than starters, but a 12.1 career K per nine and his K per nine last year was 12.2. So that's pretty true to his performance now versus then. Um, yeah. Uh, Freddie Peralta is a young guy. He's the number three starter on this team, which is insane to think about. And I think it's only up from here for him. Big fan, Freddie Peralta. I really like Freddie Peralta. I like that a lot. Number 10. All right, my number nine. Got Robbie Ray, AL Cy Young Award winner, uh, the new Seattle Mariner. Uh, you know, it's crazy that he got the AL Cy Young Award winner, you know, so low. But he was, you know, there's a lot of really great pitchers in the league. There's a lot of guys, in my opinion, I think you're going to agree that are better than him. But Listen, you know, he can shoot up this list with another fantastic year like he had last year, a 284 ERA, uh, 154 ERA plus that led the American League. I uh, led the, the league in um, whip as well. He's also, like you had mentioned before, when you're on his baseball reference page, you got the gold uh, gold highlight. He's to strike out uh, per nine leader of all time. So uh, Robbie Ray at number nine. Yeah, you forgot to mention uh, the, the tight pants, too. That's a, it's a nice... Oh, love the Robbie Ray tight yeah, pants. Come on. That's a nice touch that he's got there. He's great with that. Um, Yeah, my number nine, I'm going to go with uh, another Milwaukee Brewer. I'm going to go with Brandon Woodruff at number okay. nine. Um, Pretty nice year for Brandon Woodruff last year. Finished fifth in Cy Young voting, uh, 179 innings. He had a 2.56 ERA. He had 211 strikeouts in that span, a .965 whip. Really nice year, and there were a lot of guys who had really nice years in the NL last year. He actually didn't lead the NL in any categories, uh, surprisingly, even with the 166 ERA+, and stuff like that. But there were just so many good starting pitches in the NL last year. Uh, another thing, how – can we just throw record out the window? Like, why do I have to look and see that Brandon Woodruff was 9-10 and 10 last year? Yeah. Like, why the hell does that matter? The guy had a, a losing percentage, and he gave up two and a half runs a game. So – yeah, uh, I like I like Brandon Woodruff here. I bounced him around. I had him at eight. I ended up with him at nine, but definitely a top ten pitcher in the league right now. I got him at number eight. I, I think you're right with where you you got him a little bit. I'm right there with you. Um, like you said, he was very impressive last year. Tailed off a little bit toward the end, mm -hmm. but um, he at one point he looked like he was um he could have won the Cy Young Award, but yeah. um ended up going to his teammate. Um. Yeah, I mean, this is a very impressive rotation they got in Milwaukee. And when you have a three-headed monster like that, as long as they're healthy, no matter what's going on, on the offensive side of the ball, he's got to score a little bit for them. Yeah. Because um, they're impressive, and they can beat right. you. And if you're the Brewers, you know, you're maybe a little worried because had a lot of things really go your way last year. You know, uh, besides Yelich, that's the only thing I could think about. You know, he didn't have the best year, but, you know, you have – 
got three guys who are going to appear on this list for me in your rotation. And, uh, you know, Josh Hader and Devin Williams in that bullpen and Willie Adamas with such a nice year last year and Avisal Garcia. And, you know, they, they ended up falling short. So you hope that all these guys could have career years again in that rotation and, and on that offense. And stay a little healthier. Yeah. Um, okay. I'm up. You just said Woodruff, right? Yes. Um, all right. My number eight, number eight, Robbie Ray. So yeah, just a little flippage there. I got Robbie Ray at number eight. Um, flippage. Yeah. A nice little, uh, little season for Robbie Ray last year. Definitely in perfect time. He got a nice contract with the Seattle Mariners. Um, yeah. Led the American league in ERA and innings. Uh, he led the MLB in strikeouts. He also led the American league in ERA plus, uh, in whip. So a really nice year. You said it all time leader in strikeout for nine, which is funny. It bounces around. You Darvish had that title for a while. Um, that there's just so many great strikeout pitchers in the game now. Um, so yeah, I mean, Robbie Ray, he dealt with that whole command issue, his whole career. That was kind of the scouting report on him. He had good stuff, but he walked a lot of guys. I mean, I'm looking at these numbers in 2020, a listen, smaller scale, but a 1.5 walk strikeout to walk ratio. That is absurd. Um, I mean, crazy. Yeah. And, you know, he only walked 52 guys last year compared to the 31 he walked in 2020 in mm. about 160 less innings, 31 <laughs> innings, 31 walks. That's what he did in 2020. Oh. So, yeah, definitely got the control uh, under control in 2021. And uh, I think eight is right around where he should be. All right. Number seven, I got uh, Walker Bueller, my boy. Uh, his winning percentage was great. If, if you want to look at it, he was 16 and four. Um, very strange. You don't, you're not going to see this a lot, really. I don't think 200 innings pitched over 200 innings pitched for Walker Bueller last year with a two, four, seven uh, ERA and a one sixty five ERA plus mad. The, the pitching in the national league last season was loaded. Um, he was fantastic. Um, he's still, he's going to be 27 um, for this season. Um, Listen, you want to go through the aces over there? I think he's finally the number one guy in L.A. Um, after Scherzer leaves, and he's uh, he's going to be a big part for them. I had him a little higher, actually, but I moved him down for somebody. Yeah, um, this is honestly just a bit of a game-time decision for me because some of these guys are just stacked so tightly on this list. Um, yeah. But, but, yeah, you're right. Walker Buehler um, certainly has emerged as the ace over there. And, you know, there's some guys – Clayton Kershaw, he's he's a name who you can float around and maybe want to throw on this list. And even Julio Urias, I was thinking about him. Um, but they both uh, ended up missing the list. But, yeah, I do have Walker Bueller as well as number seven. Um, like you said, nice year last year. ERA under 2-5, uh, over 200 innings. So really nice year for him. He's not as much of a crazy strikeout guy as some of these guys are, but that's okay, right? Guys get yep. – as long as you're getting guys out um, – doesn't mean that you're less of a pitcher than somebody else. If they have a little more strikeouts, uh, striking out people certainly helps, right? Keeps the, the ball not in play, but uh, nice young starting pitcher who's going to be on a Hall of Fame track uh, in Walker Bueller. His FIP was a little higher and his strikeout per nine, only about 9.2. So, um, mm -hmm. yeah, he's not striking a lot of guys out, but he's getting the job done. Yep. All right, number six. I've got uh, definitely, I mean, this is your boy, but I, I really like him too. And that's Shane Bieber. 
Um, Shane Bieber was banged up last year. He made the all-star game, but after that, didn't really pitch much. He only had about 96 innings last year, but he was fantastic in the shortened season in 2020. Had a 273 ERA plus with a 163 ERA in about uh, 77 innings. And then if you want to go to a full sample size in um, 2019, 214 innings when he was 24 years old, 3280 ERA and a 144 ERA plus. This guy is a stud. He's going to be 27 this year. I mean, you know, we were talking about it before. He could be in the top three of this list if he has the big, healthy year. Yeah, he's an absolute stud. And that that year he had in uh, 2020 was we wish that year was more than 60 games because he was really on something that year. Um, My number six, I got Zach Wheeler of the Philadelphia Phillies. He had. I want to say a breakout year, and he did have a breakout year, but I feel like this guy's been underrated his whole career. I mean, looking at his numbers now, a 3-5-1 ERA for his career, that's pretty good. Um, you know, that's, sure. not, that's not a Hall of Fame type, but that that's good. Um, yeah, Zach Wheeler had an absolutely ridiculous year last year. He almost won the NL Cy Young. He definitely made a really strong case. Uh, I'm on baseball reference right now, a 7.7 B war. Uh, not the biggest fan of pitcher war, but you know, you don't get that on accident. Um, 213 innings led the league in that 2780 RA 247 strikeouts led the NL in that. Um, he also had three complete games, two complete game shutouts. Uh, One just, amounts. just really good, really great job for him last year, eating up innings, doing it proficiently, right. Not giving up runs. His ERA his, his whip was almost exactly one. Um, really, really nice year for Zach Wheeler. And, I really don't think it was a fluke. Uh, I mean, we look at 2020 in 11 games, he had a 290 RA strikeout numbers were, were down from what they were this year. But I think that's about what he is, right? He may, he may have peaked a little bit with the strikeouts, but some guys get better over time. Um, I think he's just a really good pitcher who I could definitely see staying on this list after next year. I, I got him here at number five. And I, you know, obviously, you know, Zach Wheeler's pitch for my team. And I was a little upset when we um, let him walk. I thought the money was crazy, but I, I wanted him back in some capacity. Um, but he's on a bargain right now. I, I I agree with you. I don't think this is a fluke. I think this guy's legit. Like I think he's the real deal. He's he's gonna be 32 years old. But we've seen guys, you know, especially later in their careers. You look at Degrom, and you know he he's seen like he's getting better, and he's a little older than than Wheeler. He's a Wheeler's velocity is going up as he gets older and his stuff is getting nastier. His slider is, is just about as good, not as good, but right there on the level of DeGrom's it moves and it's 95 plus. He is fantastic. He's scary. I think the Mets, well, I mean, it's not the same ownership, but the Mets are going to be kicking themselves. Steve Cohen's going to say, why didn't I buy the team a year earlier? So I can bring this guy back because he's, he's nasty. And uh, he's five, and I think he stays on this list. For yeah, and he might be on that same track as Degrom in terms it of like be. you said, getting better as he gets older. The velocity's going up, so uh, you know they have a pretty similar pitch repertoire. Um, all right, my number five. We're doing a lot of flip flopping here. Mine's Shane Bieber. Um, yeah, yeah I, I'm a big fan of this guy. Uh, he's always been a high strikeout guy, right? We were just waiting for him to, you know get that ERA down a little bit. And in 2019, he had a really good year. His ERA was in like the low threes. 
Uh, and then in 2020, like we said, he just absolutely exploded, um, was the, the nastiest pitcher in the AL and the MLB on you know, that year, he obviously won the Cy Young. Um, and he, like you said, he had a shortened year this season, but he was having a pretty good year, 134 strikeouts in 96 innings. Um, definitely was on pace to put up really good numbers. Again, I'm looking at these, want to Cy Young. I'm looking at these numbers from 2020. Uh, it's ridiculous. I mean, I really wish I saw this over a full season, a one, six, three ERA and 12 starts, 122 strikeouts in 77 innings. You know, he's, you take that game started, right? 12 guys usually start at the most 32, 33 times a year. Those strikeout numbers are just that that's, you're going to get 300 plus. So he was absolutely incredible, and I think a fully healthy year out of Shane Bieber next year, he'll certainly, like you said, he could get in the top three, be in the AL Cy Young conversation. The guy's an absolute stud. Win it. Yeah. I could have won it if he had a full season last year. Maybe. All right. Number four. We're getting close. Uh, I got Corbin Burns, who um, is the NL Cy Young Award winner. Um he was absolutely fantastic last year. Um, I remember having debates about him, whether or not we should draft him in fantasy this year. And uh, if we should draft him early, because his 2020 and 60 innings, um, he was very good. He had a 211 um, ERA with a 216 um, ERA plus. He was very good, but we didn't know. We were like, is this a fluke? Is this not? What do we do? And we didn't draft him. And, you know, we made the playoffs. We weren't that great. Could have paired him with Jake Crom. Anyway, um, he was unbelievable last year. He had a 176 ERA plus, a 163 FIP, which is incredibly low. Uh, 12.6 strikeout per nine led the National League. Um, it's something that bothered me and bothers me still. And I understand the argument. Yes, you know, the innings thing. He, he, he had 167 innings. And I understand, well, why would you want him to pitch more innings and possibly it could have gone worse? It just bothered me a teeny tiny bit. Right. Yeah, so I mean, cool. right, rightfully so. I mean, you want guys to go deeper in the games, right? Save yeah. your bullpen, whatever. It shows they they can last longer in the games and, you know, not get tired or whatever. Um, Three complete games for Wheeler. That's impressive. Yeah, that is. That is age. Uh, all right, my number four. I got your new shiny toy. I got Max Scherzer at number four, and I almost put Max Scherzer three. I almost put him two. Um, I think these three guys that we're about to say are are, are very close, but yes, I ended up with him at uh at number four. And listen, Max Scherzer has been unbelievable, right? He's just been an absolute stud year after year. Um, you could literally argue for him if you did top 10 pitchers the last five years he'd probably be number one um, i agree but you know i just think a couple guys that i'm going to put over him you know i just had uh, our, this my criteria they've just been a little better in um but yeah i almost won the cy young like wheeler you know same thing was right there he finished third uh it was a very tight race 0.864 whip which led the mlb fantastic <laughs> right Six hit per nine, led the MLB in that. Uh, 1.8 walk per nine, led the NL in that. Um, so great year for Max Scherzer. is showing that age does not matter, right? He's 36 years old, about to be 37 this season. And he's still one of the best pitchers in the game. Uh, he's, 
I think he deserves more recognition all time too. Um, I agree. I don't want to get crazy and say he should be in the greatest of all time conversation. Cause I don't think that, but I think he should definitely be in the top 10 conversation. I mean, you think about all the, the accolades and you know, his resume is fantastic world series Cy Young's in both leagues, 20 strikeout game, no hitter. That probably should have been a perfect game. Um, he's, you know, the ERA titles or actually he's never had an ERA title surprisingly, but has led the league in innings and game started and strikeouts year, several years in a row. And he's just, he's a stud. Like what we've seen, you would think, I mean, Kershaw, Verlander, him, like he, the best pitchers we've seen right there yeah. in that conversation. DeGrom, I think, is entering that too. It's, we've been blessed with some, mm-hmm. some really great starting pitching. All right. I am up. I've got number three, and I've got your boy, Garrett Cole, at number three. Uh, three, two, three ERA last year, 181 innings for him. So, all right. He was banged up and he dealt with COVID. I'm like, that's low. Yeah. Because he's he had three straight years pitching in the 200s, but that's why. Mm-hmm. Um, end of the season was a little rough for him. He had the, the hamstring issue. People want to bring up the spider tack. Listen, um, that's an argument for another day, right? Um, I mean, his stats, his ERA, since that, it would, the ERA was a little up. But, again, at the end of the year, like I said, he did deal with a little hamstring injury. I'm going to throw him here at three. Um, you could have made an argument for him for AL Cy Young Award. You know, I think you could have gone either way with that one. Um, and, listen, he's the best pitcher in the American League. So, Yeah, he is. And, you know, a little bit of a rocky season for him last year with, like you said, with the spider tack and the injuries and then the, his performance in the wild card game. I didn't even get to that. Oh, my God. Yeah, so, you know, he, he dealt with a, a lot of stuff last year, but he still ended up finishing second in Cy Young voting, and, you know, I'm happy to have this guy on my team. I mean, he's 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 what you look for in a starting pitcher, right? He's going to give you 200-plus innings. He he, he'll, he could get in the 300-strikeout range, uh, and he'll, yep. you know, he'll limit those runs. Um, to be honest with you, this list is – I, this is probably the most I've struggled with just because it's it's so different, right? Where we did top 10 at each position. Now we're doing top 10 starting pitchers. There's five on each team. There's 30 teams, right? That's that's 150 starting pitchers in the league, and we're trying to get the top 10. So a lot of these guys are really close. So it's been tough trying to pick this. Um, right now I'm literally like just stalling because I'm trying to make sure I'm 100% sure about this. <laughs> I'm going to go Garrett Cole number three. And, wow. And I really, I want to put him two. I want to put Scherzer two. I love both those guys. I obviously love Cole because he's on my team. But, you know, if I'm a big believer in, um, you know, numbers and, and staying, uh, having a great year the whole time. And he was a little rocky last year. And I, like I said, I know he dealt with the injuries, but even before, you know, he had that little skid in August when he was really just getting rocked. And I know every guy doesn't go out and give up the same amount of runs unless you're Jacob Degrom. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, the numbers were down a little last year for Cole. The ERA plus was only 133, you know, the lowest it's been since 2017. Um, and I don't doubt my – this is my ace. I don't doubt him at all. I think he could be number two. I mean, it's going to be really hard for him to 
dethrone DeGrom and get number one. But, um, yeah, he's a stud, but I just – I can't – I'm I'm good with him at three. All right. I See, I you got balls because I couldn't put Burns ahead of these mm-hmm. two guys. I, I couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. So – there you go. You, you, you did it. Um, all right. I, I give you credit. You, 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 you sacked up there. Yeah. Thank you. All right. I got Scherzer at number two, my new shiny toy, a guy that I hope that I get to see. I hope he stays healthy. I hope him and DeGrom are one, two for the next two years, you know, 200 innings. Let's go saddle them up, ride the horses. There are horses. Um, he was fa- fantastic last year. Um, 2970 RA, like you said. Um, where's his ERA plus there? 166. He was fantastic down the stretch for the Dodgers last year. A 208 ERA plus in 68 innings for the Dodgers. Um, 180 innings, which is a little low for him, but um, they they skipped a couple of his starts, you know, in the second half. And um, he actually was not happy about that. He says that's what led to him. Um, not being able to take the ball in game six of the uh, championship series last year. He says he's always ready to go every five days and that kind of screwed him up a little bit. We'll see what happens. I think he's going to be fully healthy and ready to go, but uh, I got Max Scherzer there at number two. And I still can't believe he's on my team. Yeah. I mean, guy's a dog. There's no, there's no dog. And he loves dogs, loves animals. Him and his wife, they have like this big charity for dogs. Good guys. Um, I mean, yeah, I think you can guess by now, uh, Corbin Burns is my number two and, you know, I've put some guys, Zach Wheeler had in a fantastic year, but I didn't let him get in the top five. And, you know, you might question that say, well, how can you treat Wheeler like that? But then Corbin Burns has one good year. Corbin Burns had an absolutely insane year last year. And, you know, we, we, we have talked about how 2020 is a bit of an anomaly and whatnot and not to, uh, weigh on it too much, but it matches up with the way he performed in 2021. So I am going to count it uh, to some degree. A 2-4-3 RA last year led the MLB in that. 176 ERA plus led the MLB in that. 1-6-3 FIP, you talked about that, led the MLB in that. Something insane to me is the way of what we see in baseball nowadays and the way runs are scored. He had a .4 home run per nine last year and a .3 in 2020. He is... absolutely excellent at keeping the ball inside the ballpark. That's seven home runs in 167 innings, right? That's 28 starts. He gives up a home run every four starts. That's, that's absurd. Um, A 6.88 strike at the walk that led the MLB a 12.9, 12.6 K per nine that led the MLB. So he's got it all. Um, He he's, he really just has great stuff. He was a reliever in the beginning, beginning of his career. Like a lot of these starters are right. Not everybody comes out as a starting pitcher. Sure. Um, and he definitely had a rough go of it in 2019. But Corbin Burns, with an unbelievable season last year, won the Cy Young. I got him at number two. There you go. And um, we've got the same number one here, uh, Jacob DeGrom. You know, whenever I'm feeling a little down, I go and I look at his baseball reference page. Mm-hmm. And I remind myself that he plays for my team. I'm, you know, I'm looking at 2020 right now, and I know we always talk crap about it. and and. Bauer was fantastic that year, but DeGrom had one bad start in Philly. One of the, 
his worst start in three years in Philadelphia last year and basically took him out of the running for the Cy Young. He would have won three straight Cy Young awards. Um, He gets hurt last year and I pray every day that he's going to be okay and ready to go. But you know, you brought it up before we started his ERA plus, you know, in, in a hundred and 92 innings last year was three seventy three. You know, anytime you have a chance to watch this guy pitch, whether you can go to the game, whether you can watch it on TV, you do it because he is, I mean, he was on a tear, especially last season, just an historic tear. He's number one. Yeah. Love I mean, death. that's, I remember, I think his ERA plus was in the five hundreds at one point. Yes, it was. Yep. So yeah, I mean, do we think that if he played the full year, that would have happened? No. Um, <laughs> would have loved but, to see a full year you know, though last year. I, I, I don't think it's crazy to say that ERA plus would have finished in the two hundreds. Um, but yeah, Jacob Degrom, the guy is. Like you said, he's an absolute stud. Um, how many years is that in a row now? With it, that's four years in a row now with an ERA under two five, which is, and then uh, that's just very hard to think of that that's even possible. Back to back Cy Young awards, 2018, 2019, finished third, like you just said, in 2020, and he would have won it this year if he hadn't gotten hurt. Um, he's amazing. I mean, he's. He really only needs two pitches. He throws gas. Um, the I think what really separates him is he obviously has great stuff, but something about his delivery or the way his ball spins or something, it's guys have talked about it. Facing the Grom, it's it's it feels like the ball's going one ten. It just yeah. has a, a certain deception to it, and it, the run on it, it really just sneaks up on you. So. Yeah, you guys are definitely lucky to have him. It's kind of crazy the way his career has gone because we didn't really see this, right? We we were talking about him and Harvey and Syndergaard, right? Who was the number one? And I don't think a lot of people were picking the Grom to be the number one guy. And we obviously know how that has ended up. But he really is in the conversation as he'll be in the conversation in that Kershaw conversation if he keeps us up. But he's only played eight years, but he's got a 2-5 ERA. That's fantastic. He was always really solid. I, I always I always really liked him. I mean, Harvey was my guy, but I always liked him better than Syndergaard Degrom. Mm-hmm. So um, it was it, it was it was interesting how it just it it came to be. Uh, yeah, you know if if he stays healthy and he he keeps on this run, do you think he's in the like the Hall of Fame discussion? Yeah, like when do you get ready for that? Um, I mean everybody has their different criteria. Some people say. Uh, you know, give me the, the, the best seven years of his career, right? What is he a Hall of Fame type guy? I think if he were to retire today, yeah, he'd be a Hall of Famer. I mean, a rookie of the year, two Cy Youngs, a, a, a third place Cy Young voting, um, you know, four all-star games. Yeah, he's – and he's he's a pretty good uh, hitter too. That's uh, That goes along yeah. to the radar. Although that doesn't really matter anymore, which is – that's what a perfect like. segue right after we read our list. That was what a like perfect segue. Look at you. Yeah, I try. All right. Let's read them off quick. Cause we do want to uh, touch quickly on the negotiations. I got Lance Lynn at 10, Robbie Ray, Brandon Woodruff, Walker Bueller, Shane Bieber, Zach Wheeler, Corbin Burns, Garrett Cole, Max Scherzer, and Jacob DeGrom at one. I got Freddie Peralta, Brandon Woodruff, Robbie Ray, Walker Bueller, Zach Wheeler, Shane Bieber, Max Scherzer, Garrett Cole, uh, Corbin Burns, and Jacob DeGrom. There you go. Top 10 starting pitchers. Are we doing relief pitchers? Yes, we are doing relief pitchers. And then 
overall top 10 play. And then overall top 10. Yep. So two more to go. Maybe by the time we're done, we'll have a we'll have a season ready ready in place. Maybe. That'd be nice. Um, all right, let's talk about that very quickly. Rob Manfred had his press conference today. Uh, says he is not delaying spring training. Says he hopes this next offer, which will be made to the players in a meeting on Saturday, will be helpful. It's they say it's you know, good faith and it's you know touches every core economic issue. Let's just pray to God that's what he says he says that it would be catastrophic if they don't start the season on time but they did agree to a couple of things one is the universal dh one that just did not i did not see at all until a couple hours ago was the there's a draft lottery now yeah i did not see that yeah i mean like the mlb draft is such a big deal in the first place but yeah um yeah i mean listen these negotiations we know how they went in 2020 when they were trying to get on prorated salaries and start the season on time, it's, it's definitely uh, a headache, right? Listening to all the headlines. We just want baseball. Um, And you know, this, this guy, Manfred, listen, I'm a big uh, criticizer of him. And I know that he works for the owners. He doesn't, he's not like the president of the MLB, right? He doesn't, uh, he reports to people, right? Not everybody reports to him. Right. But he's just, he's still not a very bright guy. Like he says stupid things all the time. We, I mean, we, obviously we think back to the stuff with the Astros with that whole, it's just a piece of metal thing talking about the world series trophy. That was a real great quote. Mm-hmm. Um, and now like he's even saying stuff and uh, representatives are coming out and are like, oh, well, he actually misspoke. He didn't mean to say that. He meant to say this instead. So, like, what is he, like a puppet and he can't talk on his own? Um, but, yeah, this has been very embarrassing the way that this has gone. You know, you hear a lot of criticism from players on Twitter towards the owners and the owners saying they were going to make an offer, then they said never mind. And it's a lot of cat and mouse and annoying and embarrassing news, but uh, I mean, if, if if we just end up with a normal baseball season in the end, then I can't complain. I don't care. Yeah. Those, I mean, this isn't a hot take. Those players hate him. Oh, yeah. I mean, they they have a strong hatred for Rob Manfred. Oh, 100%. So, um, listen, let's just hope they get this thing right. You know, I mean, again, I, I get my hopes up even last night when I saw that they were speaking. I'm like a child with this. I just... I was thinking about it today, driving all day. I I love football, man. It's great. But baseball is just so clear. My favorite sport. Like, they got to get this done. They have to get this done. So, uh, we'll see what, what happens there. Um, you wanted to talk about the top 100 list. Yeah, we could just touch on it quick. Um, ESPN released their top 100 baseball players of all time. That's what actually played through my ear and scared the crap out of me before. Yeah. If it wants to load. Um, I mean, there that one thing that I had seen was, you know, Derek Jeter ahead of Al Pujols. That may be the stupidest thing I've seen ever. Yeah. Um, that's pretty bad. I mean, we think about Albert Pujols all time, and he's got just about a hundred war, and that's with you know, him tailing off in L.A. He really never had a great season in L.A. His first year, he had about an 860 OPS, and that's just about as high as it got. 
Uh, I think he had a 40 home run season sprinkled in there, but you know, none of the, the OPS numbers and everything, the slash line wasn't great. Um, yeah, I mean, one of the best defensive first basemen in his prime. And then on top of that, just 300 batting average, 35 homers, 100 RBI every single year, and OPS is in the 1100s and the 1000s, right? MVPs, uh, stayed healthy. Right? He was just great and st louis um really one of the best right-handed hitters of all time yeah but uh yeah that didn't make any sense to me the a-rod thing didn't this is my problem about we talked about the hall of fame uh ballots and we put our ballots out there and i said i don't think the steroid guys should get in but that's just my own criteria i think the fact that they've already let steroid guys get in i think they should get in um but if i was making the hall of fame from scratch kind of a thing i wouldn't let them in um that's kind of the same thing with ESPN. They're they're half pregnant with that because they'll say Alex Rodriguez is number 24 and then uh, Barry Bonds is number eight. But then you mm-hmm. put Manny Ramirez, like 60-something. Take away steroids. Manny Ramirez is probably the 60-something best player, right? Like I'm saying, if we just didn't know he took steroids, he would probably be in the 60s or the 70s right. all time. So if you're going to do that for him – then why are you punishing A-Rod and you're punishing Bonds for everything, but you're not going to punish him? doesn't make sense to me. There's no. Where would you actually put Bonds? Is he top five? If right, just take steroids away? Like, no, just right now. Like, right now, who cares? I mean, top three, maybe? One. He's one. I'd put him one. Yeah, I mean, he's, he might be the all-time war leader. He is the all-time home run leader. He's got seven MVPs. Yeah, I mean, I think he's one. And listen, baseball is tough to compare, right? We hear we it's, hear about it. We hear about it in the NBA. You know, you got how are we going to compare Wilt Chamberlain to guys today? He's averaging fifty points and twenty five rebounds. He's playing against used car salesmen, and then mm-hmm. you know we talk about uh, the NFL. You know how Joe Namath and those guys. How are you? The game was so different back then. It's the same thing with baseball, right? I think we just need to compare eras. Um, you know, the the color barrier. Uh, still existed at that time when Babe Ruth was playing. Right. And, you know, you had guys, you know, the Negro Leagues was a thing. They weren't playing yet. Um, Guys from the Dominican Republic, uh, you know, Cuba, wherever. Uh, Japan, right? It was all just just a bunch of American, like, white guys playing baseball. (laughs) And, you know, there's a lot of talent that has come into the league since then because – there's a people play baseball all around the world. And, you know, we've seen some of our greatest players of all time are, are from around the world. So uh, I think that it's really tough to compare those eras. You have guys who were throwing 560 innings, like what, like they're throwing every single game, 82 miles an hour spitballs and stuff. Like it's just completely different. So yeah. Babe, it's almost impossible to compare somebody from, you know, from Babe Ruth's era. To, yeah. to Babe Ruth is using like a 50 ounce bat. Like what? Um, it's it's literally it's kind of like a fairy tale when you talk about baseball back then. So that's why I'd love to see it though. It's tough to compare them. Yeah, it's it's tough to compare them though. Uh, but yeah, I have a problem with this. I have a problem with the Ichiro thing. I think Ichiro is a great player. I think he's been overrated over his career. I still think he's a Hall of Fame type guy. But to put him in the top 50 is absurd. I mean, when he's over guys like Chipper Jones and uh, Wade Boggs, who they both have, like, similar type archetypes, and Wade Boggs has just had, like, way better of a career than him. But 
I digress, I guess. You good? Mm, I'm good. What even? I can't even load it up. Whatever reason, my computer is being stupid. Right. But uh, yeah, there was a lot. Of, there was a lot of issues on that list. And um, we have a slower day. I definitely think we can dissect it. But we mm-hmm. do have to talk about the NBA because there was a bunch of trades that happened. And I'm not. Even, we're not even going to talk about all the trades. We're going to talk about one major trade that happened and a couple that didn't happen. James Harden has been traded to the Philadelphia 76ers. He was traded for Ben Simmons, Seth Curry, Andre Drummond, and two first-round picks. Um, listen, I'm just going to say this. My AirPods are about to fall out. Um, I thought that the 76ers did well. I also think the Nets did well. Nobody has to win and lose. You know, there doesn't have to be a clear loser in the trade. And I don't think there was because when you think about what the 76ers gave up, they never had Ben Simmons. It's it's not like you were losing anything when you, you you just lost the $30 million off of your, you know, cap for the next few years. So what you really traded was Seth Curry, who was a nice player, but you're not losing sleep over it. And you lose Andre Drummond, who's a backup center that you could find, who was playing well for them, but you could find a backup center to play behind Joel Embiid. That's not difficult. And then two first-round picks. We've seen how they've screwed up first-round picks. You know, it's nothing. So they didn't give up much, and they got a guy that may be tailing off a little bit, but still a star in this league, a legit score, and a guy that could run that offense. Yeah, uh, I don't – I don't really disagree with you there that, you know, Ben Simmons, who knows that that guy, you know, he's had a rough go of it lately and, you know, obviously hasn't played this year and last year had a rough season. Um, and he plays a little bit of a different style of basketball than we're used to, right? He's a six foot eight or whatever he is, six ten. I don't even know how tall he's uh, point guard. Yeah. Point guard plays fantastic defense, but cannot shoot whatsoever. Isn't even a great scorer. Really? He's a decent slasher, but, you know, we see him really just trying to pass the ball out and just play good defense. Um, and yeah, we obviously know about the free throw shooting difficulties. And then, yeah, Harden, it's just – it's it's weird. A lot of these NBA stars, there's problems that arise quickly with these superstars, and that's what happened with Harden. I mean, he was begging to leave. So, yeah, I don't think it's a bad trade for either side. Seth Curry is a good player. Um, you know, he's – not a complete guy. He's more of just a scorer and, you know, spot up shooter kind of guy, but he's one of the best three point shooters in the league. And um, I said, Seth, right. I didn't say Steph. Yes. Make sure. okay, I said Seth. Uh, and then, yeah, the draft compensation and everything like that. I don't, I don't think it's a horrible trade for either side. The nets need to figure out what the hell they have going on right now. I mean, 10 losses in a row and they're three games over 500. It's very weird. you never see this, but yeah, I mean, surprising. It's happened very quickly with James Harden. I mean, they traded for him last year. Yeah, and uh, James Harden has now forced his way out of two different franchises in two straight years. He didn't want to formally request a trade from Brooklyn because he didn't want to, you know, he didn't want to face the backlash. But he was essentially screaming to get out of Brooklyn. He did not like it here. Him and Kyrie Irving did not like each other. That is factual. Um, so. Obviously not a good relationship there. Kevin Durant um, had to sign off on this trade. Obviously, he spoke to Ben Simmons. Um, they're on the same page. Rich Paul, his agent, you know, 
excited for this opportunity for him. Let's see. You know, Ben Simmons doesn't have to be the main ball handler. Ben Simmons doesn't have to have the ball in his hands. So let's see if Ben Simmons can play better a little bit off the ball. There's something we know about him. He's an all-world defender. He's fantastic. So if he could do that, if the free throws have gotten better over the past season, okay. But we we haven't seen him all year. And uh, it'll be very interesting to see. And I would love to be at the Wells Fargo Center in March and see if Ben Simmons plays in that game in Philadelphia. Yeah, that'd be something to see. Yeah, he's had a weird a weird career track, right? You know, you want to go? Comparing him to yeah, let's go. Yeah. Uh, I haven't been to an I, I haven't been to an NBA game in a while. Um, but yeah, he's had you know Magic Johnson comparisons when he was first bursting onto the scene in the NBA. Mini LeBron, and, and yeah, and now he's you know not really getting called that anymore, but yeah, I mean Ben Simmons is like you said he's an all world defender, he's got some things to figure out uh, in, in other aspects of his game, but he doesn't need to be a knockdown three point shooter, right? He just needs to play his role, and maybe he'll play a good role for this Nets team. It'll be interesting to see what happens. Um, did you see tonight? Uh, Durant and LeBron were the all-star game captains and they had to pick uh, teams. So LeBron um, made it so that the last two picks of the draft were Rudy Gobert and James Harden. So as Durant's about to pick, and you know Durant, he doesn't, you know, he's a serious guy. He doesn't really like to joke around that much. So LeBron starts dying of laughter. And he and Durant goes, well, you know, I'm going to have to go with size here and take Rudy. And everybody's laughing. It was hysterical. Yeah. Couldn't uh, couldn't take his now former teammate, uh, James Harden. Listen, we're going to see how this works. I, I think this makes them a top two contender in the East. I think them and the Bucks are the two teams to beat. I know Miami's very good. I even know Chicago's good. But, um, you know, I would say those those are the two teams. And listen, if this works out and Durant comes back healthy and maybe the rules change for Kyrie, Kyrie played very well tonight in Washington. I mean, if it works out and it fits well, then the Nets are in that conversation too. Yeah, but they got a lot of stuff to figure out because 10 in a row is not good. Oh, not good. Not not good at all. Uh, the New York Knicks, you know, you know the, the Knicks actually – they're playing right now against against the Warriors, and they actually exist. You know, like they're a team. They play in the most famous arena in the world, basketball team, and and they've just become this irrelevant team again that nobody cares about because they have nothing. They don't do anything. You don't hear from the people that run the team. They are just irrelevant now. Yeah, there's been a lot of dysfunction this year. Um, you're hearing rumors that. You know, nobody's on the same page with Sean Marks and World Wide West and Tibbs and Scott Perry. Nobody's on the same page. Uh, did I just say Sean Marks? That's... Yeah, Leon Rose, you mean. I'm sorry, yeah. yeah um, Sean Marks is the former Nets guy, right? Still Nets, Nets jam. All right, good recovery. Um, yeah, but surprisingly, they're winning right now, the Knicks. But, um, yeah, they stay put at the deadline. Uh, there were a lot of talks about – Randall on the move, and we hear stuff about Damian Lillard. I'm just convinced Damian Lillard's going to be a trailblazer for life at yeah. this point. Um, we hear a lot of rumors about that, right? We heard rumors about are they going to flip Reddish, right? Are they going to keep him? Goran Dragic was rumored, who ended up getting traded, but not to the Knicks. Um, so 
yeah, I mean, it's it's a shame that this is the way it's gone, right? This was an optimistic year, but they've kind of took a couple steps backwards, and Julius Randle hasn't played the way we wanted him to play. Uh, a lot of inconsistencies. Tonight he's having a great game, but on the season, 19 a game with 42% from the field, that's, that's not what he did last year. So it's tough. We're going to be able to get more into the Knicks and the dysfunction and what's happened this year, you know, definitely in the middle of February in the next couple of weeks, you know, when football's over. So we'll save that, you know, for another episode. Just the one thing I think a lot of Nick fans wanted to see was offload some of these older guys. If you could offload Fournier, that would have been great. If you could gotten even just a second round pick for Kemba, that would have been great. If you could have gotten rid of Alec Burks and gotten a pick or two, that would have been really good but you stay put, you have all these veterans and you know, Tibbs is going to play them because he's going to be trying to compete for that stupid playing tournament. When in reality, the best situation for this team would be to play the young guys, see what they can do and start developing these guys. But his head, this head coach isn't going to do that. So again, we will be able to get into the Knicks in, um, you know, the next week or so. And, and really break everything down. That's our team, you know. We're both diehard Nick fans, so uh, right, 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 right. Yeah, so um, we'll, we'll be able to we'll be able to do that. But uh, this has been a great episode, fun episode, lots to do, and I think we uh, we hit everything. Yeah, it's just about just like me on Sunday, I'm gonna hit everything. Right, 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 right. I cannot wait. Sure. Uh, enjoy the game. Enjoy your parties. And uh, you got anything to say? No, President's Day. Uh, should have been. The fourteenth this year, yeah. but well, yeah. we can't we can't get anything right in this. Contest, yeah, so that would have been nice uh, if we had the day off after the Super Bowl. But instead, we have the day off after the Daytona Five Hundred. So, uh, right. congratulations, everybody! I'm sure everybody's happy about that. But yeah, that's yes. all. All right, we'll talk to you guys next time.